Race car driver Tony Schumacher only works for six minutes a year, but he spends the rest of the year in preparation for those critical six minutes, and it's paid off. His career best speed on the NHRA track is over 336 miles per hour. This week, Schumacher talks about how he got started in racing, what it's like to travel two football fields per second, and his partnership with Clarksville's Joe Maynard, owner of JCM Racing. Clarksville's conversation is powered by FNM Bank. Charlie? Yes, sir. I think we have the fastest guest we've ever had we on do. Clarksville's conversation. I believe we do. I believe we do. Tony Schumacher, you have won eight times the NHRA Top Fuel World Championship. You're here with Joe Maynard. I want to throw this time out here. Um, <laughs> your best <laughs> speed ever in your career. 336.57 miles an hour. Holy cow. Welcome to Clarksville's conversation, Tony. Yeah. And that was in a quarter mile, by the way. Yeah. No, it's, uh, that's how I got here so quick. I left, about, uh, left, I left Austin at 8 yeah. o'clock this morning. I was here by 845. Yeah, it was great. Going back in time almost. Imagine taking that dragster down uh, Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Imagine that. Imagine. That'd be a, that'd be a fun drive. The, getting it going, it's not the hard part. It's getting stopped. Yeah. There's too many lights on that. Yeah, you only have one parachute, yeah. so you can use that for right. one stoplight. Repack it, fuel it back up. <laughs> I mean, how do you even begin to get into that sport? That's a great question. Well, for the how I did it and how everyone else did, probably goes about it, it's a little different. My father raced uh, funny cars in the seventies. Uh, you know, and normally when you say that, people are like, oh, that's why we can't we can't do it. We can't. You know, it's too hard. It's too far yeah. away. But the truth is, every time you get in a street car. At, at any dealership, what do they tell you? Go hit the gas, man. Feel the power. Yeah. It, drag racing has been since the first two cars were built. There was a drag race. Yeah. And it was to see who had the fastest huh. car. And it's just yeah. been since the beginning of time. So, uh, you know, our sport is a great sport. There's thousands of racetracks around the country. And you can take whatever car you have, go to the local racetrack and learn to race. You know, it's not about the speed. The 336 mile per hour, uh, three second quarter miles, those are ludicrous speeds. They're, they're professionals doing professional things, but there's a whole lot of just local people that want to go out and race. And, and it's so available. And it's such a great sport. It's such a great family sport. It brings people together. That's how me and Joe met. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it brings people together to have a love for it. And mm -hmm. it's one of the few sports where, you know, if I love, you know, the, the pitchers uh, for, for whatever baseball team I pull for, the odds of me getting to hang out with them are small. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're, they're separated. But drag racing is a community where uh, it's a lot of cool people doing what we love to do. And, and, it, and it brings families and people together. I, I think he'd fit in well on Fort Campbell Boulevard. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think he needs to move here. <laughs> Have you thought about it? I know you live in Chicago. Absolutely. You think you want to move here? Or I, I live in Austin, place. Texas now. Is I live in at. Austin, Texas. I live in Chicago for most of my life. That's where our company was. Um, and I love Austin. I really do. But Tennessee was the other. Was There was just Tennessee and Texas. So, For you, though, let's go back just a minute. We all like to drive fast. I'll assume for everybody that's on this, this podcast right now, we all like to drive fast. But at some point, you had to know or something tipped you off to the fact that I may be better than the average guy. Because as men, we all think we're great at everything, right? Yeah. And so as, the I'm, most, the most thing, as yeah. I'm blitzing, I, my kids call me the on-ramp world champ because I always just you know go as fast as I can to get up to zero to 60 and well, it's usually zero to 90 and then back down to 60. <laughs> but we all think we're great. 
What was it for you that made you go like, wait a minute, this may just not be the male ego. I may actually be skilled in what's necessary to make this thing happen. Well, I think I did have an ego. I I, I swear, like I was way better in my mind for a long time than I really was driving. And that's just, it's, it's truthful. You know, it takes a long time to get even close to caught up to the speed of what these cars do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's steps, you know, you don't, you don't jump in a top fuel car and uh, you don't buy the ride and hop in and you're great. It takes a long time. And it was, I had an 86 Trans Am ran 16 seconds in the quarter mile. And then, you know, I went off and road raced. I ran and learned a lot about road course and weight transfer and then built a Chevelle, built a super comp car and little steps. And it was each one. I was like, this was great. But but I wasn't great. I was still getting beat. Yeah. And I was young and uh, working my way up. And then one day, and 10 years down the road, I got hired to drive a top fuel car. And I had already driven a jet car and an alcohol funny car. And basically every step you could, I had paid my dues several times over. Yeah. Uh, I got in a, a top fuel car and I hit the gas. And the first time I did it, it was in Denver, Colorado. I hit the gas and I got out and I thought, I don't know how I talked myself into this job and I'm not really sure how I'm going to get out of it, but I got to get out of it because this thing's going to freaking kill me. And, and there's no other way to put it. Like you hit the gas the first time because yeah. everything below it, you know, the alcohol dragster is a top alcohol dragster. They call it or top alcohol. Funny car yeah. is a step below and they make 2,500 horsepower and yeah. you're going to go 250, 260 to the quarter mile in a top fuel car. We're going 300 to half track. Like the acceleration is is nonsense. It's like you hit the gas and you think the sky fell on you. You got hit by a meteor and you, <laughs> and then you get out and you got to do it again. See, the first yeah. time you get in it and they're like, you know, you got that ego still. You're comfortable in your in your manhood. You know, because you're thinking I've handled I've these cars some, before. Yeah. What difference can it be? How much faster can it really be? <laughs> and that's what you tell yourself. When you're in the alcohol drag, so you're like, come on, top fuel is only a little bit, you know, and you think that you truly believe that you don't know any better. And then you get in it and you hit the gas and you go, dear Lord. <laughs> then, you know, there's, there's two people where you either get out and you go, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Or you get out and go, I'm never, that was the stupidest thing I ever did. That that's going to kill you. And you know, I got out and I was, I'm still naive enough to go, yeah, let's do that again. And then we got yeah. better and it was, it was insane. And it's just, you either are built for that thing. You know, and, and, yeah. and I think there's sports like it. There's a lot of jobs you can go off and be pretty good at and make a good living just being decent. Yeah. And then there's there's jobs where you have to be born for it. And I think I was born to drive these things. You know, and, uh, yeah. That seems like like a UFC fighter would be. You just got to keep getting better and better and believing in yourself absolutely. and that there's more to it. Yeah. And train and prepare, you know, and uh, part of my speech uh, this morning, yeah, you know, when I'm talking to Austin P and, and these these uh, these kids, man, they're they're going to be our futures, and you know they're going to run our country, and they're going to be our leaders, and it's the same thing is over prepare than go with the flow, man. You over prepare for something, the flow is beautiful. You show up for a test having not studied because the night before was too much fun. Well, you know, all of a sudden that that test is overwhelming yeah. and, and yeah. uncomfortable. How do you prepare in your line of work? Like, what are the preparations that you do before race day? That's that's a really good question because, you know, we're spending tens of thousands of dollars to go down the quarter mile one time. So you can't go out there and make three, four hundred runs a year right. uh, practicing. You can make a few runs. Uh, we have practice trees where it's back. Actually, my old cockpit that we can sit in and practice the reaction time. But you can't practice how to move a car around that's making 12,000 horsepower. The G-loads 
Um, and, you know, I can guarantee I can, and I won't, but I can point out 10 drivers that still to this day can't keep up with a car. Watch mm-hmm. the TV, yeah. and you know when they show it from above. If the car's all over the racetrack, their minds at the start line when their cars at the finish line. Yeah, making these cars perform to the best of their ability. You know the driver has to do its job. It's just a, it's a monster of a car. You got to want to do it, and you know, uh, like we were talking about at our distillery. You know, it's like you you can have a cocktail or two and enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't get in a car and perform. <clears throat> No, not the even that drop. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yes. Because yeah. these machines are, they're, you know, if you want to make a turn, if you want to move the car over, you don't have to move the wheel. You look that way. They're as fast, you know, and I've flown in F-16s before, and, you know, the pilot, my pilot, cool, Kugel was yeah. his name, and he yeah. was a cool cat, you know. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> we'll be taking off at, you know, literally 16,000 feet straight up. He goes, if you want to fly this thing, just take the stick and just look to your right or look to your left. That's and if you want to roll it over, move the stick, and that's how quick these cars wow. are. If you're going 330 miles an hour, you're going approximately two football fields a second. So if you wow. glance at the car next to you, <laughs> right. if you just look over. Like I had a, a David Grubnick, this guy from uh, Australia, I was racing against him, and um, he was on a great run, Bristol, Tennessee, one year, five, ten years ago. And I looked over at him. I thought, heck, it was nighttime. Yeah. I thought, heck, he's on a great run. And I glanced over for a second. I was in awe of how good his car was running. And as I did that, his parachutes went over my car. I realized at that time, I'm going two football fields a second. I just thought about this for two seconds. Those are his parachutes, and I'm in his lane. Because I had driven behind him, and I turned the car, and my front wing snipped his rear wheel. And I thought, that was awful close. It just it reminded me to focus, you know, because... I don't care who you are, what you do. It's easy to get lackadaisical mm-hmm. yeah. and, and to forget true. the machine that you're in. And these cars are the fastest machines in the world. Nothing in the world accelerates quicker. So sitting in that machine, doing your job, being, being great, like you said, the preparation is years of other cars. Yeah. And then understanding what the goal is going to be. <clears throat> when I always talk about like play the game, you know, when you show up for something, show up for it. Right. You know, don't come to a drag race halfway prepared because the people you're racing against are coming fully prepared. So when you ask that question, everything you can do up to that moment, you know, to get ready for that moment, because Clint Eastwood's always been a hero of mine. Yeah. And yeah, I know it's a movie, but you know, the real guys, the Billy, the kids out there that did this job, the one time they had to do a draw wasn't about that. It was about the thousand times they practiced or that mm. one time wasn't going to turn out well. Right. Drag racing, single elimination. We get beat, we go home. So without being great at it, you just go home a lot, you know? Yeah. So, so you're mental, mentally prepared. What about your physical? What Same toll thing. does it take on your body to, to race? Well, I think it hurts my, it hurts my back more flying in the airplanes, oh, sitting, really? doing nothing, because when I'm off an airplane, I'm working out. Yeah. You know, I'm playing some sport somewhere doing yeah. something, you know, seldomly sitting around doing nothing. And uh, being physically in shape. And you've been, you know, you know all the generals, right? The physicals. Mm-hmm. When you're physically in shape, you are mentally prepared. <clears throat> you That's get right. up in the morning tomorrow, have yourself four donuts and see how you feel. You do not feel like you're mentally ready for the world. You feel physically sick. You feel mentally unprepared. And, you, you know, emotionally, you, your strength is wiped out. So we show up for these things. Uh, we train. We prepare. We win. 
we, we have some ego. I think we have to. Swagger. You know, if we get in that yeah. car and we were like, you know, I can't stand that I live in a van down by the river. My life stinks. <laughs> but I'm going to drive a race car today. You're just not going to do it right, right? you got to have a cockiness about you. It comes with it. Um, I think it's, it's part of the – it's part of it that, you know, when you get a car that could kill you, and it could, and, and my first race – in 1996, uh, Blaine Johnson got killed, and he was going to be the champ. So for me, you know, every time I got in a race car, I just assumed I was going to die because how could the champ get killed? Mm, yeah. You know? Uh, so, you know, I lived a, a crazier life, and, and I probably had more ego and and more cockiness about me than maybe one would hope. But I think over the years, you calm down. You realize, well, heck, you know, when when something happens, the race still goes on. It's really not about you. It's a great sport. Um, enjoy it. I tell the kids out there that are listening and the people, enjoy what you do, man. Find find something that you just uh, mm. you love doing because you, you can really thoroughly wake up and feel like you're living when you when you have something that you're deep you know deep into that you're committed to and and you're part of it and, and you know. Uh, and find yourself a good group of people to surround yourself with because it's, you know, I drive the race car, I get in that car, and it, and it makes 12,000 horsepower, but I can't even start it. Nine of my guys put it together, <laughs> take it apart, and start it. Yeah. I just sit in that car, and when they give me the go-ahead, I go ahead. But until that moment, it's those nine guys doing their job. And, you know, it's all about uh, teamwork, you know, and I'm proud to have represented the U.S. Army for yeah. 19 years. I drove the Army car. That's awesome. And now for Skag Power Equipment for the last two or two, and uh, that'll go for a long, long time. And I, you know, when you're doing something right and it's working, it's working. Yeah. How'd you get uh, mixed up with Joe Maynard over there? How'd the two of you become fast friends and partners? You want me to tell? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so years ago, about 15, 14. I finally talked Kathy into go. She'd watched Go Army Car for years on TV. Yeah, yeah. You've all met Kathy. Yeah. So I finally talked her into getting to Bristol, and we were late because we're always late. <laughs> and uh, I heard a car start, and it was a top fuel car. Assumed it was a dragster because they went first. Yeah. Or second on funny car, and we were that late, or on Fridays. Anyway, I told her, get down in your chair and race over. That's the finish line. So she went over, and he goes by at about 330 miles an hour. Tony did. She came back with a Kathy grin and said, I want one, and it has to be him. <laughs> so it took me about five years. Yeah. <laughs> About five years to negotiate a deal so she could have what she wanted. That's that's how we got started. You are an anniversary present. Hey, how does that feel? Yeah. I've been yeah. a prop a lot in my life. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it it just worked out with, amazing. You know, it just it, comes with the territory. It comes with the territory. And I mean, you know, we're, we're brought in, <clears throat> you know, for show and tell all the time. And, and it's part of the cool thing. <laughs> but, but think about this. <laughs> well, you know, you, you grew up in... Yeah. You dream about mm. bottom of the ninth bases loaded yeah. in Europe. Yeah, you know I just happen to be gifted in the fact that I got that job, and I, and I and I start my speeches a lot with I'm a gifted driver, and people go, oh, that's cocky, and I go, hang on for a second. I don't mean that I drive a car better than anyone else. I don't mean that I'm some kind of superhero, but it is a gift to do what you love. Yeah. It's a gift you to finally right. get that job, and man, mm -hmm. and then it's a gift to do it with a group of people who are capable of winning. It's a gift to have won what we have won. It's a gift to drive for a sanctioning body, an HRA that gives us racetracks that are safe and and as good as they can be. And then to put all that together and, and race against some of the caliber of people we race, you know, it all has to come together because no one wants an easy race. You want to win ones that are the most difficult and you want it to be in your hands at the last second of the game and you want to be able to pull the trigger on it. So uh, I've been very gifted in that. And I think for people that are out there trying to figure out what they want to do, spend five minutes of your life with your eyes closed thinking if I won the lottery, what would I do anyways? Mm, I yeah, just, yeah. you know, 
it would, we'd just buy more race car parts, maybe a bigger shop. You know, I mean, <laughs> another bus. It doesn't matter. It's like nothing would change. My life would not be different in any way, shape, or form. I've got a yeah. beautiful wife, a beautiful family, great partners and race teams, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, my life is great. Yeah, that's that's where you really want to end up at the end of the day with a great family and, you know, just be able, be able to look back on your life and know you did good. and Did your best. You know, I, I'd like, what was what was your first car? So you turned 16 or 15 or whatever. What was your first car? Because I can see you leaning up against your race car, acting all cool and all. But when you're 15 or 16, what were you leaning on? 86 Trans Am. 86 Black T-Tops, Firebird. Oh, oh. Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. How the heck did you get that right at that age? Well, oh, yeah. you got to so, know people. Yeah, we know people. <laughs> my, my dad, my, my grandfather started a company uh, called Schumacher Electric Battery Turf. Okay. So Schumacher Electric. Uh, any one of you guys listening, just walk out to your garage, take a peek in there. They're all Schumacher. We make them all. We make all Napa, all Die Hard. Yeah. All, you know, we just, we've done that forever. And my grandfather was his thing is he he bought each kid a car and now my dad does the same thing and uh, like I said I grew up a little cocky yeah you know and, and uh, I had an A6 Trans Am and uh, I, I uh, you know my dad later you know I was sixteen and he goes. Uh, you know, the drag race is open today. And I went, oh, cool. What, what channel? He goes, no, no, man, just get on the highway, head up to 294 there and get off in a little place called Union Grove, Wisconsin. Maybe bring a helmet because in case you just feel like driving, you know, and he didn't force it. He just told me which direction to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you That's know, cool. he was just guys like Tommy Ivo and Big Daddy Don Garlis and Shirley Muldowney because we lived in the Chicagoland suburbs. Anyone racing in Indianapolis or Ohio or Michigan, any anything in the Midwest, we had a race car shop right there. And so I would come out at 10 years old, and there'd be Tommy Ivo's glass trailer with a jet car sitting in there, you know, and he'd be yeah. hanging out with my dad. And it was just a great way to grow up. I grew up really uh, special kind of way. You oh, know? yeah. So, I mean, I got the gift of my first car, but after that, it was like, okay, this thing ain't quick enough. It runs 16 seconds in the quarter mile. $2,700 <laughs> later, we had a Chevelle. You know, I'm like, this Chevelle's going to go quicker. Yeah. It had dual quads. I didn't even know what a quad was. I didn't know why you needed two of them. I was just learning. You know, I was 16. My dad said, here's the thing. Here's a race car shop. You park your race car in there. If mm-hmm. oil, you, I don't care what you do. I'm not going to come back and help you. I'm not going to come visit. But if oil leaks out of it, I'm shutting it down. And, you know, so we had this big race car shop, and we worked our way up, me and my friends, and when I talk to the youth, you know, when I do my speeches about idiot proof in your life, I will guarantee you it's an important thing. Because mm-hmm. when you're sitting in a race car and you look out of a canopy and you're going to go 300 miles an hour, you, if you see your high school friend Mark, you know, and he's out there working on the car, time to get out because that dude's going to get you killed. Everyone's <laughs> got that guy. He's cool. He's fun to party with. You When you're having a bad day, you can look at him and be like, you know what? I'm having a hell of a day, but at least I'm not you. <laughs> and, and you're having a worse day. And that comes with the territory. Sorry. If your name's Mark, I don't even know you, dude. Trust me. But he's sorry, just, Mark. He just walked out. He just walked out. That's a, that's a reality in life, man. It's about the people you're around. And, you know, I'm glad I grew up with them, you know, and. And I had my I had my fun, but I'm glad I moved on from that. <laughs> what did Joe drive? What was your yeah? First that's car? what I want to know. My first car was a Firebird. My second was a Trans Am. Magically, yeah. You guys were meant to be. I Serendipity. guess. Yeah. Yours was a Schwinn. Yeah, well, yeah, mine had the little little, little <laughs> things on the side, little streamers, the banana seat. What were you? What was your first car, Charlie? Uh, GMC Jimmy, '85 Jimmy, '81 first, old first Cutlass. one I bought on my own. Yeah, '81 yeah. yeah. Olds Cutlass. 
It's cool. Great car. I said, I'd like one right now. Oh, they're beautiful. I, I mean, I have some cool cars, and, and I, have a, I, I went back and built me a, a Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am, and um, I would cool. like a Cutlass because it just, I mean, to have a mint one right now, it'd be probably hard to do. You just, those things were pretty abused. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't have great great motors, no. so you definitely have to not. Yeah. We yeah. just have to go to Barrett Jackson in January and pick you. Then one the out. GNX came out, which looked like it, right? Yeah, Remember, we had the Grand S. We had mm-hmm. one. I can't tell you where we got it from. It was a long story, but um, my dad had a car collection, and um, that one came without a title. We'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone still looking for that, basically. No, it's gone now. <laughs> he got it from a guy named Mark. <laughs> yeah. Mark. Mark wouldn't tell us where he got it from. Yeah. It was leaking oil. We fixed it. Yeah. I'm calling counsel. <laughs> I love what you said, what your dad said. If I, you know, go ahead and do this. If I find oil on the floor, you're done. Like he was setting you up for attention to detail. If you're going to do this, do this right. right. Don't miss the little things. So, so many people skip over the little things because they're too busy at the big picture. Yeah, the details are important, and especially in our, you know, we win and lose by thousands of a second. I think I, the, the last Indianapolis I won uh, was six ten thousandths of one second. You know, and two, you know, when you, again, talking to youth, you go, look, I know that when you go to school, they teach you that there's a right answer. So here they give you a test and there's an A, B, C, and D, and you got to put down which one's right. But in life, in, once you leave school, what they did was prepare you to learn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now you got to realize, well, there's not one way to have a right answer. We go to the racetrack, there might be 10,000 different tune-ups that'll win this next round because we're going to win by inches. You got to figure out a way. And learning those little details teach you how to think outside the box because it's easy to run within the box. Mm-hmm. We've already done that. Mm-hmm. We've already know what the current world record is. How do you run quicker? Right. What's the turning knobs? What are the things we're going to do to make it, you know, what, what is that evolution going to look like? And it's those smart kids. So I forgot your question, man. I get rambling like this and I just I think he answered it. <laughs> I think he answered That's it. It really great. wasn't a That's question. Great. It's more of a observation. Yeah. How fast do you think we're going to be able to go? Like right now, your top speed was again three hundred and thirty six point five seven miles per hour. How it, it, the technology gets better? It does. Cars get better every single season. Where do you see the sport going? We'll be in the three forties. I'd be surprised if it's not Pomona. I mean, we already run three thirty eight. Some of the cars um, we accelerate so quick. The problem is when you accelerate quicker. So your elapsed time, the amount of time it takes to get from point A to point B, right. 3.6 seconds. Right. As that gets quicker, you have less time to build the speed. So we're fighting, you know, on one hand, we're fighting it. On the other hand, we're also making more power to do that. Right. So they kind of go hand in hand also. I don't. I think we'll be in the 340s. You know, I ran 330.23 in 99, and it took two or three years for any other team to do it. And then after that, they shortened the track to 1,000 feet. And I ran 330.23. And we've just literally inch our way towards it. Yeah. You know, it's <clears throat> tiny little movements. And we don't know what the next big move's going to be. But we don't even know which kid's going to step up and have the idea. And that's yeah, the coolest right, thing in the world. Right. It could be the guy that's doing the bottom end right now, a guy that you're just looking at it and thinking, just make sure you tighten them nuts, righty tighty, right. lefty loosey, you know, and the simple things. He might be down there with a brilliant idea. We haven't gotten that far. You know, we're not quite sure, but it'll come. What I can tell you is it will come. There will be faster runs. 
How much can the human body take, though? You're the expert in this. I mean, a lot more. Oh, so you're like, I got tons. Yeah, I, I get out of there. I'm full of energy. I'm fine. And, you know, <laughs> it's unlike a fighter plane. The fighter plane will mess you up because yeah. you're pulling a G. So as you're flying one of those things, they're going to go, okay, we're going to pull some Gs. And they're going to take a turn and it sinks you into there. So your mm-hmm. butt hits the seat. Yeah. And the blood, and it starts to pull your shoulders forward. And the blood's coming out of your head, which is why you have a G-suit, right? You, it it yeah. goes over your thighs and your abdomen, and it squeezes the blood back, back in your head somewhat. Yeah. The dragster, you're sitting, and you hit the gas, you're sitting level, the blood's going back into your brain. I swear to God, I think I just get smarter every time. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Joe just sitting over here smiling. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Now uh, every kid's going to go, let's drag race on the way to school yeah. so we're smarter for the for test. The test. Yeah, Tony yeah. Schumacher said it works. Yeah. I'm just saying it, 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 it hasn't hurt me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think about going faster and faster, but then I also think you've got to be able to stop. Yep. So you've got that technology has got to catch up with that and too, it has. right? No, it has. Yeah. So we, when, in the old days, we, we used to use a parachute that we would throw tanks out of airplanes with, you know? Yep. Yeah. And when the chute to come out, it would lift the back of the car off the ground. It hurt your brain. And, you know, we just started designing the elasticity and the bands mm-hmm. uh, to, to slowly open. And, and, you know, we have great bases, right? Patterson air force base is a amazing base. We'll have a Indy car sitting there, a, a Apache helicopter. And then they have the centrifuge and all these things working hand in hand uh, to find out, you know, how does, how does the safety of an Indy car protect a, pilot coming down at 26 G's off a helicopter, yeah. you know, whatever, um, problem. And, and they work back and forth. And so we're, we're getting better. We're getting quicker and we're getting safer. We have a canopy now, which we've designed, uh, shoot 2009, maybe yeah, quite a while ago. Yeah. You know, where we're included, it's ballistic <clears throat> glass is carbon, carbon, and, you know, basically bulletproof. I don't like to prove that. So, but we'll it, take your word for it. My, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll take their word for it. Yeah. But We've seen crashes with those canopies. We see drivers walk out, barely any dust on them. And, um, you know, so we're learning. We don't know what the next problem is going to be, though. We'll find it. Yeah. Guaranteed. Because yeah, we're pushing it. the limits. We haven't even, we don't know what the limit is, but, you know, I've had two and a half good crashes. And the first one, the wing came off and we fixed that problem. It had a, a, a bad weld. The second one, the car just broke in half. And those are the scary ones because there was no problem. It just went. And they were like, well, we were just pushing it too hard. I go, well, we're always pushing it too hard. They're like, yeah, that's why we don't get in the car. You get in the car. <laughs> it's little things that, you know, and that's Thanks, the Mark. truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's your buddy, Mark. Yeah. That's that's buddy Mark. Yeah. I put Mark would get in the car. <laughs> Mark would have the sense to get out of there. So at least I think about it. It's <laughs> awesome. That's Money's funny. no object. What would, what car, what civilian car would you buy? Money's no object. Oh dear! He may already have it. He might, or Joe does, because I know Joe Joe's does. got a pretty good collection. I've got a good collection, but I don't have those kind of cars. Um, I love my '78 Trans Am, '77, '78. It's a great car. I I can't remember what the name is. Gumper. I was off in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and these, you know, there's ten of them. And and they're I can't remember my my wife would know right away. She goes, oh, it's the Apollo. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god. And they're just you know, it's a million dollar car, but it's a supercar. Yeah, and they're just beautiful. But you know, I'm still a hot ride. I I have two cars in my house. I yeah. have a, a Lamborghini Huracan, and I have a 
78 Trans Am. And I don't drive either, but I grew up watching Smokey and the Bandit yeah. and Cannonball Run. And my dream was always to have that, right? And it's been one of them things where impossible to drive either one of them really on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. But it's what my goal was as a kid, you know, and, and I think when you succeed and you're doing something and you spend years driving race cars, winning championships, hospital broken up, you've done everything you can do. And you can walk in a garage and look at something, even if you don't drive it, you can look at it and go, you know what? I I did that. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I did that and it was a lot of hard work and a lot of, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, but a lot of effort. So what is your daily driver then? If those are sitting in the garage, my wife's car, what is that? Well, I drive a Ducati if I can. Okay. If it's not raining out. Yeah. And she's got a Mercedes. Okay. Yeah. So. Solid. getting around. He's, yeah. He's, it's okay. Yeah. Get yeah, but, but, I, but, you know, the, the, these sports are difficult. There was a, a couple of years ago where I'd have killed for any of those cars. Yeah. You know, yeah. We had her Absolutely. daddy's car. We lived in a house her dad bought. Like, you know, these, these, there's moments where you, you've got to step back and rethink, you know, and regroup and, for the youth, again, and I don't, it, it's an important thing. The education part and the never give up part comes from being educated, n- being around the right people that don't let you suffer, that, that will push you mm-hmm. to do something else. Because, you know, after the Army left, shoot, I had three years where I wasn't working. Yeah. There was no job. So I built the business doing credit card processing, believe it or not, just because I needed something. Right. Yep. And I felt it would lead me to a sponsor, which it ultimately led me to Skag, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, which brought me with Joe and put this whole deal together. It was just, you know, had, had I just sat back and said, "Well, gosh darn it, we don't have you know any brains and and we don't know what to do." Like it was one of those things yeah. where I had to look back and go, "Start over." Had a greatest deal in the world. Had 19 years of the U.S. Army, recruited 50 percent of the military, and and now boom, that deal ends, and you, you don't see that coming. You gotta you gotta you have that education, and having a, a desire to keep going. Yeah, you know. So I'm proud of I'm proud of where we came. I'm proud of what we built, and it's just getting better now. Like day by day, uh, we have drivers, and I know Joe can explain it better, but we have a, a youth program to, to bring up these kiddos that. You know, they're all looking for how do we become the next 336 mile an hour top fuel driver? What steps do we take? And him and his son, Josie, they, they built a program to, to guide these kids and to teach yeah. them. You know, it's just an awesome thing. Like he, he's so big with Austin P and, and, and this town is the same thing he's doing with drag racing. Step in there and build a legacy, you know. How do you identify the talent necessary to do that in kids, Joe. It's, it's pretty funny. We actually, from 8 to 18, they have to submit a resume with all they've accomplished, what their plan is, what their grades are, and if you make the cut, then we help you go to the next level. And, and, and you know, that includes going to the next level means you keep your grades up and you don't get in trouble with the law and you don't yeah. have any problems. So it's it's really like being, for lack of a ter- better term, almost like being in a military school yeah. for drivers. Is We're trying to identify, and it's people. I mean, if an 8-year-old kid will put together a resume, yeah. Yeah. A serious resume has already got two wins as a junior dragster and this and that. And I'm going to run these many races and I'm going to honor what you guys are about. That's the guy we're going to get to look at. So that's how we do it. They, they've got to understand they've got to put the, put the work in. Just, you know, listen to Tony's story. Everything's yeah. not sunshine and roses. Sometimes you just got to regroup and, and fight through it. Everybody wants to be on top, but everybody doesn't want to work to get there. Well, and, and your job is one that people that don't know think like he's just a good driver. He's just got natural ability and there's so much more natural ability will take you so far. 
It's what you do beyond that that'll make that'll separate you from the countless other people that have natural ability. Tell, tell them how many um, seconds a year you really work as yeah, a driver. I was just about I, literally when you said that, it, <laughs> like we, we work for six minutes a year. You know, six minutes a year. Where that's I'm, what my wife thinks I work. She's <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you ever do that? <laughs> yeah, and you're you're under the gas. You're like you're, my foot down. For mm-hmm. six minutes a year, the rest of it is getting ready for those six minutes. Yep, you know, yep. the gym, the time, the pre- all this stuff. Well, this is this is equally important to everything we do. If yeah. the world doesn't know what we do, what's the point of doing right. it? Right? Yep. Got to talk about it and mm-hmm. um, and and also build the future. You know, like we we got to keep people going out there. If it wasn't for guys like Big Daddy Don Garlis and Shirley Muldowney, I'd never would have heard about this. You know, so uh, I appreciate what they did and they they paved the roads and I plan on paving them for the next group of people and letting them do. Do you know when I'm old sitting in my rocking chair with my cigar and cognac sitting there, my whiskey? I'm gonna be watching some drag racing cars be running, you know. What brand of whiskey now? Uh, Leatherwood, of course. That's right. Put that in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll be sitting there with my brandy, yeah, my, my, uh, uh, my, my whiskey cup, and I'll just be watching TV and cars will be going. They'll hit the gas so fast they'll go backwards. And be like, oh my God, that was fast. The traveling through time. He got to the start line from the finish line. I don't even, (laughs) these things are incredibly fast now. But but I'll know that I'd been part of, you know, a little tiny bit of, because, you know, it's been going on for a long, long time. Yeah. Been racing a long time. And I'm just a little part of it. And even though I've been doing it for a while, there's been people uh, so long before me and so long after, you know. So I know you're from Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have some horrible uh, thing called Merlot, Merlot. Up there is like the big whiskey, Marlot. It's horrible. It's disgusting. Have you gotten a whiskey education from from Joe? Uh, I'm getting some. He definitely likes his bourbons. Mm. I, is, see, I am a cigar guy, so I love cognacs, but he's he's teaching me. And I will guarantee it, Leatherwood, we're going to come up with a way to, to make my world and his world merge really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we have that capability. Well, cigars and, and bourbon go hand in hand. No, they do. They do. They do. They're, yeah. they're, they're hand in hand. And, you know, scotch, too. I just... Uh, I, I like the, the way it starts with a wine, but yeah. I'm learning each. The best part, like the distillery, we're going to go through it. I got to be educated on it because I was educated in all the other ones. I need to be educated. Um, and I, and I, love, I love that Joe jumped into this because, man, there's only a couple of things. If he comes up now and says, I bought into a cigar company, we, we're going <laughs> to, you know, like there's a few things that, you know. And, I ain't and, saying nothing. Start <laughs> writing the story, Clarksville, now. I ain't now. saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. You know, well, it's, it's, too I'm, good to be true. You know? it, it's great that you're connected to our community yes, in, absolutely. A, in a couple of different ways. So Clarksville's got a lot to offer. So if you ever want to just come and stay for a while or forever. And try we'll, to get them all here. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so, you know, we do have to say, though, I'll do my, not commercial thing, yeah, but go the, for it. The, the realistic part of all this racing business without good sponsors and without the governing body, we can't do it. So mm-hmm. we got to throw a, a huge... Shout out to Skag. Mm-hmm. Um, there's CEO Randy Glade. He's a friend of ours. He's uh, he's a fan. He's become a huge fan. So we have to we have to remind people in this now. You can take to the bank. There's a good chance I might open a Skag dealership here. Not going to say that couldn't happen because they have the best lawnmowers on the planet. So. Start the story, Chris. Start writing it down. So anyway, but I just wanted to throw that out there because they've been very good to us. That's awesome. And plan on them. Hopefully, yeah. being with us yeah. a good while. Yep. Thank you, gentlemen. Absolutely. Pleasure.
I was hoping you would say your daily driver was a Prius. You're like, ah, I <laughs> work in speed. Done. I want to drive the slowest thing possible. So here, here's your wet bad story of the week. Right, so I've got a few GT500s. Yeah. I was driving one with my wife, 760 horsepower machine, yeah. which goes really fast. Oh, yeah. I had to go to Orlando that night, and guess what they gave me for rental? A Prius. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it, had to, actually, it might take me two days to get back I just need to go 100 a, I miles. I need a picture of that one. <laughs> yeah, I did. I wouldn't cast it take a selfie. No chance. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Well, thank you all for being here. Oh, thank you. Time. Pleasure. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.